Hi, this is Fleeta again. A few months ago, I wrote a series of blogs called When Your Mother Wasn't. And I wanted to share them with you because I believe that there are many of us who have the experience of having a family member who just wasn't. We see things at Easter, Mother's Day, Father's Day, Christmas, Thanksgiving that portray these beautiful, wonderful families where everyone comes together and eats and laughs and goes home happy. And yet for many of us, that just isn't the experience. I think there are others of you out there like me who had a mother or someone who just really wasn't. In my case, my mother was not only not a good mother, she just really wasn't a mother in most or all of the important ways. Um, I experience things like having a hard time finding a card on Mother's Day because most of the hallmark sentiments about mothers and daughters express things like, oh, the wonderful memories that we have and you did this for me in my childhood. And I just can't buy those cards because my mother and I don't have those memories. She did do some good things for me in my childhood, but she also did some bad things. And so I just can't buy those cards. I have to find a more generic one. And I do it because I do love her, but also because she just wasn't a mother. So whether it's your mother or someone else close to you, I'm hoping you can relate. Another thing I want you to know is that I love my mother. And long ago, I dealt with the deep disappointment, rejection, and the childhood hatred that I had for her. I've forgiven, and I love her. But I love her carefully and with many boundaries. I am forced to be very realistic about who and what she really is. And I watch over her. And yet I guard my heart against her destructive ways because she has a multitude of them. I also want you to know that I realize that I did not have the worst childhood. So many people have had absolutely horrible things happen to them at the hands of their mother, father, or other family members. And that's just not my story. But it is still a story of pain and taking a lifetime to realize the depth to which someone else's illness can affect your life. When I was very young, like five or six, I remember my mother, and we had fun, we did things together, and she loved me. But I also, in looking back, realized that my mother was also very cruel at the same time. I only realized that in retrospect. I'm 69, and just last year, I learned the depths of my mother's lies and hatred. I, over the years, have become very close to an aunt and uncle that my mother tried very hard to separate me from. And we got together about a year ago and had a discussion about the things that my mother had said to each of us individually about each other, about our spouses, our children, her parents, and many other people. And for each of us, it was a terrible revelation of the depth of my mother's hatred and willingness to lie 
to other people in order to manipulate them. And so that was what started all of this for me, was finally realizing this late in my life what my mother had actually done. My mother began drinking when I was around 11 years old. And after that, she became an alcoholic who spent all of her time partying and very little time with me. I was an only child. And so when this happened, I not only lost my mother and father, I lost the only life I'd ever known, and there was no one to go talk to about any of it. And it meant that my years after the separation and divorce were basically spent alone. I really didn't realize how dysfunctional and mentally ill my mother was. In the early 2000s, I began to work with victims of domestic violence. I started a nonprofit organization to work with them and with victims of sexual abuse. And through that, I learned about the characteristics of abusers. At first, I really didn't apply any of it to me because I've never considered myself to be a victim. I was a victim of abuse and of sexual abuse, but I did not consider myself a victim. But as I thought about it, I started to see a picture of my mother. And it was really shocking because, as I said, I just didn't consider myself to be a victim. I knew that as an adult, I had made a choice consider about the kind of person that I was going to be. I knew that once I gave my life to God, the past was wiped away, and I had to choose whether or not I was going to allow it to affect me, and I had chosen to be healed from it. I knew that I didn't have anything close to a normal mother, but I finally began to see not only what she'd done to herself, but what she had done to me. Now, this isn't a story of blame, because as I've said, I realized that I had to take responsibility for my own life and the kind of person that I wanted to be. It's simply a truth of my life that I deal with every day. And at this time, I have a mother who only lives eight miles from me, and yet I seldom see her or talk to her. About two years ago, she cut me out of her life along with my aunt. And now at age 87, she's driven away her own family and is alone except for two neighbors who help her. And I am deeply grateful for those two people. I have tried to reestablish some limited contact with my mother, but she does not reach out to me at all, and I'm okay with that. As I said, my mother and father separated when I was 11, and after that, a lot of things happened, mostly bad. At the end of those five years, I was reunited with my father, and he took me away from her. We moved back to Idaho. And I know that this was God's intervention in my life because he set me on a much better path than I was ever going to choose had I been left to my own ways. I met my future husband, and through that, God gave me the family I had always dreamed of having. And God saved me in more ways than one.
I didn't reunite with my mother again until my own children were in their early teens. My mother was still an alcoholic, and then when she did stop drinking, we began to have some limited contact, and she began to come back into my life. But for all of those years prior to that, my mother didn't reach out to me or have any contact with me, and I didn't with her either. When we did reunite, it was at a distance. She lived in Nevada, and I lived in Idaho. In 2005, my mother moved back to Idaho to be closer. Her husband had passed away, she was alone, and she was having some physical issues that caused her to realize that she just couldn't be alone anymore. She was 74 at that time, and it seemed to me that she'd made great changes in her life. And for about two years, we had what I thought was a wonderful relationship. She was still saying to things to me about her past and about my grandparents and her brothers and sisters that I really had a hard time believing, but I was being naive, and I didn't want to recognize those things as lies. I really didn't want to believe that my mother could go to that depth of hatred to tell me the terrible things that she said. I didn't want to believe those things were true, but I didn't want to believe that my own mother would do that to me. And so I didn't recognize them at first because I wanted to believe her. I wanted to spend time with her and I wanted to love her without reserve, but that just wasn't to be. In my next podcast, I'll tell you a little bit more about all of this, but I hope that some of you can relate to this and be helped in knowing that you aren't alone. And I'll share more about how I found my way through all of that and into some peace and healing about my lack of relationship with my mother. If you don't relate, then I hope you enjoy finding out a little bit more about me. So until next time, may God's love abound within you and enrich you every day. Fleta. This is part two of a blog entitled When Your Mother Wasn't by Fleta Binney. Over the past three years, I have come to accept some hard truths about my mother, ones that I spoke about in part one of this blog. Here is a deeper explanation. From all outward appearances, my mother is a sweet, kind, gentle, older lady. Thus, no one would believe me if I told them about the mother I know. The truth is, she can be all of those things. The problem is, she uses them to use you. Again, I want to assure you that I'm not just trying to say awful things about my mother. I love her. However, these are things I've had to accept as being totally true. I also had to accept how the things she does have affected my entire life since childhood. My mother moved our family of three out of Idaho to California when I was four. My father worshipped the ground she walked on until the day he died. 
He never remarried and always just loved her. So if she wanted to go to California, we went. There were many happy times that I remember as a young child. But then my mother started drinking. She not only became an alcoholic, she also became a different person. I firmly believe that she has been mentally ill for her entire life, but never diagnosed because she's also highly functional in a very dysfunctional way and was self-medicating. She has told me that she, since she was a t child, she had heard water in the walls and voices. Now again, that might be some of her creative imagination speaking, or it might be the truth. She isolated me from all family with the exception of two uncles and a great aunt. Then she moved us away from them to Nevada where we didn't know anyone at all. After my father was gone, I only saw him occasionally and I was told that he never tried to communicate with me. Of course, that was a lie. A series of men went through our lives. Mom worked hard, drank hard, and partied hard. And there really was not a place left in her life for me. And that's not a sob story, it's just a fact. One of those men molested me. My mom didn't believe me when I told her, and so it was years before I ever spoke of it again. To this day, she doesn't know because she doesn't even remember my telling her. And I have chosen not to speak of it again to her. I began to act out. I hated her. I hated myself. I tried to commit suicide. I drank. I was horribly lonely and tormented. And I decided that if I stopped feeling, I couldn't be hurt. Boy, that took years to undo that particular decision. I ran away from her and ended up with my father. We moved back to Idaho and within a couple of years at age 16, I met the man who was my husband for the next 49 years of my life. His family took me in as if I was theirs. And for the first time in my life, I was part of a normal family. He went to Vietnam, we had three sons, we spent many years in ministry, we loved and laughed and had hard times, but loved each other until he passed away in 2015. Now I've been a widow, survived cancer, and remarried. Over the years, my mother's lifetime of lies has begun to be revealed. For instance, I loved her parents, my grandparents, they were wonderful to me. She told me and my aunt that they had beaten her and all the kids every day with switches, beaten them to go to church and constantly verbally abused them. I had also resumed a relationship with my aunt, one of my mother's younger sisters, and my uncle, her younger brother. We began to visit about some of the things mom had told each of us for many years, over a lifetime actually. One of the things we learned from my uncle was that my grandparents never beat anyone. It was all lies. The lies and the hatred she had toward almost everyone came out. 
It was a strange sensation to realize that most of the things I had grown up believing were lies. In addition, I didn't have any way to know what was the truth and what were the lies. I had begun to stand up to her as she lied to, be a, to me about my aunt and a neighbor lady. She was accusing them of trying to kill her, of bugging her phone and all kinds of things that I had learned, of course, were not true. I told her multiple times in no uncertain terms that I wouldn't listen to it any longer. We could talk about anything except my aunt and her neighbor. One day, I hung up on her when she started to say things about my aunt. I had warned her. I tried to stop her, telling her I wouldn't listen to it, and she started screaming at me over the phone, so I hung up. When her ability to manipulate me ended, I became her enemy and she ended our relationship. After my husband died, um, I also learned about the horrible things she said about him even after his death. She had done the same with my uncle's wife who had passed. The ugly pile of lifelong lies piled up and I could no longer allow her to control me through lies and self-pity. One day she said to me, all my life I've had mean people around me who treated me horribly. I just don't understand. I did not comment. As is common with this type of personality, my mother is always the victim. In every situation in her life, she has made herself the victim. The victim of abusive parents, of sexual abuse by a cousin, of my lazy father, of every man she was ever with, of her neighbor who was trying to kill her, and my aunt, now a victim of her daughter. And you know, she is really, really good at it. I came to see that because she has lived her entire life like this, she must always create an abuser so she can be a victim. It's her lifeline. I also realized things about myself. Though I'd forgiven and lived a wonderful life, I was highly inhibited for years and years. I was supposed to be a doll she could dress up and show off. She literally told me that one day. I had to be perfect. I was afraid to talk or be the center of attention because I might make a mistake. I thought I was worthless and had no talent for anything. I thought I was ugly. My mother as a young woman was beautiful. I wasn't. I stayed away from my family because that's how I was raised. I thought I had to fix everything because that's what an only child must do. I had to clean up my mom when she came home drunk. I had to be the calm one who thought things out. I had to take care of myself. Yet I was terribly lonely and afraid, afraid even to feel. I've lived with fear since I can remember. That awful, sick, gnawing feeling down inside was constant. I was afraid to fail, afraid of people, afraid of new situations, and you name it, I was probably afraid of it. Yet there was a stubborn side to me that wanted to rebel against all of it. To this day, I fight with fear. At this moment in my life, 
I have no reason to be afraid. I'm at peace. And yet fear still tries to visit me. I have conquered, and I'm the victor over it now, but it has been a lifetime war. In the next and last blog on this subject, I will talk about finding my way out of my mother's maze by choosing to look for the good path, winding through all of it, finding God's love and grace in the midst of all of this. Thank you. This is When Your Mother Wasn't, Part 3, by Fleeta Benny. I'm finishing this up by talking about the things I've learned about myself through this process. As you know, I have an aunt who is just five years older than I am. My mother, her older sister, is 15 years older than she is. Recently, we discussed the things my mother had done, realizing that my mother had told each of us terrible and untrue things about our fathers. And those lies had deeply affected our relationships with our fathers. My mother told my aunt, her sister, that their father had beaten the three oldest siblings daily, unmercifully, and often reviewed how mentally and emotionally cruel he was, especially to her. For me, my mother had told me that my father was lazy, never worked, never tried to or wanted to contact me after the two of them separated. Of course, when I was reunited with my father, I found out the truth. I'm grateful that it happened when he was still alive. My aunt, on the other hand, didn't find out the truth until after her own father had died. And it's been difficult for her to reconcile the fact that she will never have the relationship with him she had hoped to because of those lies. She had stayed distant from him, believing the lies about his cruelty, never dreaming that her own sister would lie about something like that to her. As the lies have unraveled, I've come to understand many of my own struggles, struggles with self-esteem, rejection, fear, molestation, loneliness, and more. I'm also fully aware, in hindsight, of God's hand over me through it all. He gave me my dad back. He gave me a new family and a wonderful man whose fierce love for me helped restore my belief in myself so that I could then find healing in all the other areas. For many years now, I've worked through things one at a time. Although I was shy, afraid, and had no self-esteem, I was still a fighter. I had rebelled against my mother when I didn't even know what I was doing. As I let God's love sink in more and more deeply, that same stubbornness helped me go forward. Once I got a glimpse of what God wanted, I was determined to get it. It took a long time, years to deal with molestation and my mother not believing me, years to deal with self-esteem. As I stated previously, I still have to do battle with fear, but now I know how to find victory. Sometimes the best lesson a person can teach you is what not to do, what not to be. 
That's what my mother taught me. It also caused me to look at myself and take responsibility for my own shortcomings. If I am truly a new creation in Christ, then I cannot use the past as an excuse for my current behavior. I had to look back and cut spiritual ties with her. I also had to cut emotional ties and learn how to rebuild my own emotions in a healthy, positive way. With the help of God, my husband, and close friends, I was able to find freedom. I don't blame my mother for those things. Instead, I realized that she did the best she could. Occasionally, the best we can do may not be good, but it's what we had. As a result of all this, I'm a strong person. I have a close relationship with my Savior. I'm at peace. I am by no means perfect or complete. The job is never finished here on earth. But every day, I continue to work toward the prize, and I won't stop until he takes me home. I guess what I want all of you to know is this, never give up. Don't let the pain tell you that you can't. That's a lie. You can, just not by yourself. You need the help of your Savior. What you have experienced can make or break you, but it's completely up to you. If you choose to take it, control it, and make it be a part of building you back up, it will. If you let pain rule your life, it will. It can be forced to play a positive role in your life, but it's up to you to make that decision. We understand goodness because we have seen and experienced the opposite. Be the opposite of whatever happened to you. If someone was cruel to you, put it underneath you with kindness and make it stay there. Make it work for you, not against. Putting on the armor of God is a practice in doing exactly that. When you make a conscious decision to put on the helmet of salvation, It's the opposite of low self-esteem. God saved you because you're worth everything to him. If you put on the belt of truth, God's truth, that means that truth is bound around your innermost being. You are protected down to your gut, and you made the choice to put it on and tell fear no more. You can stand strong. There are many spiritual actions like this which require practice. Now that might sound like a duh statement, but the problem is that sometimes all we do is read about what we need to do instead of practicing what we need to do. Our walk with Christ requires something of us, everything. But take it from me, it's all worth it. The most painful things I've ever gone through have taught me the most precious lessons, and I treasure them. So no matter what anyone has tried to do to me, I am the victor, and that's what I pray you will be as well. Choose life, and life more abundantly.